as we start a new message series for the fall, the question for you is, what's in a name? According to Professor Adam Altler at New York University, the short answer is, a lot. In fact, he says that names almost seem to be prophetic. Listen to these examples. Anna Smash Nova became a professional Israeli tennis player. Lane Beachley, a seven-time champion surfer. Derek Kickett, an Australian footballer. Daniel Snowman authored a book on Antarctica and the Arctic. Christopher Koch, a notorious Jamaican drug dealer. And Dr. A.J. Splat, a urologist. Just a coincidence, he says. Dr. Alter concludes researchers have shown that our names take deep root in our mental worlds, drawing us magnetically to the concepts they embody. So Randy, as Pastor No mentioned earlier, Randy means shield, and sometimes the animal that is connected with it is a wolf. Oh! What about for our God? What's in a name? Short answer, a lot. In Hebraic thought, names are not just names. Names are not just titles or proper nouns. But names in Hebraic thought actually embody and communicate one's character, essence, nature, identity. Names tell one's story. And the same is true with the names of God and Scripture. God's names are revelatory. They tell us His nature, His essence, His story, identity. So if we really want to know our God deeply, it's important that we spend time studying His names. So for these next eight weeks, you can see on the screens, we are going to work our way through eight names in the Bible for our God. Six in the First Testament, two of them in the Second Testament. And I can tell you there are so many names of God in the Bible that we will do this series again. And maybe again. Think of each one of these names. 
as a curtain, a shade, or a blind on a window. And each name that God reveals to us in Scripture is pulling the curtain, drawing the shade, pulling the blind up more and more so we can more fully know our God. And so today... We are going to start with the first name on the list. With God's actual name. Perhaps the most important of the series. To do that, we are going to go back to the very beginning. Literally, the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1 we get a very nice panoramic view of creation. Of the God who speaks time and space and this universe into existence out of nothing. And as Moses is describing that in Genesis chapter 1, in the first couple verses of chapter 2, he only uses one word for God. The Hebrew word Elohim, which means God. Our creative, all-powerful God. But beginning at chapter 2, verse 4. Moses goes from the panoramic view of creation to a very intimate, zoomed-up view. And there's quite a shift in the text as well. Take a look again. What Pastor Noel read moments ago. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. The Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was not man to work the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, and there he set the man whom he had formed. Did you catch the shift? Not just from universe now to a garden, but what's the subject for God? For the rest of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3, now Moses only uses this compound name for God, the Lord God. Not just any God created the universe and man and put him in the garden. It was the Lord God who did this. Hebrew, it's the name Yahweh Elohim. Or underneath, we would translate that in English as the Lord God. Twenty times in the rest of chapter 2 and 3. So what does the name Yahweh Tell us about our God. 
Eve uses this name in Genesis 4. And then later, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. But it seems like after Jacob's descendants, 400 years go by, and this name of the Lord, Yahweh, seems to at least fade a bit into usage. Until at Mount Sinai, Moses notices a bush that is blazing, but this bush is not being consumed. And so as Moses goes to check out this incinerating bush, God speaks. And God tells Moses of his master plan. He has heard the affliction of his people in slavery in Egypt. Moses, you are going to go to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. And I am going to redeem them from the most powerful nation on earth. And then Moses says to God, If I come to the sons of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what is his name, what do I say to them, God? Look at God's words. Take a mental picture of these next two verses. We will come back. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the sons of Israel, I am, or that name Yahweh has sent me to you. This is my name forever. Yahweh, God gives us his very name. The most frequented name of God in the Bible, over 6,800 times in the Old Testament. We would literally translate Yahweh into English as I am or even I will be. When Moses asked God, what do I tell them his name is? Moses wasn't really asking just for his name. He was asking God, describe yourself. Who are you? Your character, your identity, your nature, your story. And God said, Yahweh, I am. That's who I am. The God who is and always will be. His name, Yahweh, tells us three very important things about our God. The first is that our God is relational. We know the actual proper name of our God. Yahweh. It's relational. It is intimate. It is his personal name. And the name communicates to us that he is accessible. 
The God of the universe in Genesis 1 is not remote and aloof and unsearchable and unreachable and unknowable dwelling in solidarity somewhere in the heavens. Not at all. He is the God who is revealing His very name to us so we can call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. And His name is dependable. The whole focus of calling His name Yahweh is the isness of our God. For Moses, it's the God who always is, the God who always was, and even we know the God who will always be. Against impossible odds, God turns Moses from focusing on the task at hand. And God directs Moses to himself. Moses, I am and I will be as you go to Pharaoh and get my people out of slavery. It's interesting in the third century BC when Alexander the Great conquers most of the Mediterranean world and Greek language dominates the landscape like English does here today. The Old Testament scribes translated the Old Testament from Hebrew then into Greek. But when they came to the words Elohim, God, and Yahweh, they had choices of what words to use. For Hebrew word Elohim, the Greek scribes chose Theos, which also translates God. But when they came to God's personal, intimate, divine name, Yahweh. They did not translate that into Greek using the verb I am. They were so concerned about not misusing his name that they chose in Greek instead to write it as Kyrios, which we translate Lord. So whenever you are reading your Old Testament in English and you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Kyrios, or the divine name of God, Yahweh. So sacred that by the end of the second century, only the high priest would say it in the temple. Scribes wouldn't even copy it or say it as they were. But then in John chapter 8, <laughs> when Jesus Christ comes along, and in John 8, Jesus is in a very heated conversation with some Jews who were following him. Jesus 
argued about his identity, and finally he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham came into being, I am. Where did Jesus get that? We just read it in Exodus 3. Jesus conferred on himself. Not the name Kyrios. He actually said, I am. And the Jews in their unbelieving hearts heard Jesus give the highest form of blasphemy imaginable and immediately picked up stones to kill Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to die by stoning, but on a cross for our sins. And so Jesus used his divine power to hide himself from their ill intents. But Jesus would go to the cross to completely pay for our sins. And then as we read in our gospel today in John chapter 20, on Easter morning when Jesus appears to the ten disciples minus Thomas, he shows himself alive. They go and tell Thomas, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. And Thomas says, unless I see for myself, I am never going to believe. And eight days later, when they were in the upper room, behind closed doors, Jesus appeared and said, Thomas, stick your finger here and reach your hand there. Stop unbelieving and believe. Do you remember Thomas's confession? my Lord and my God. Who is Jesus of Nazareth? This is the pinnacle of your Christian faith. You ought to know this. What did Thomas just say? If Jesus is Lord and He is God, then He is the Yahweh Elohim of Genesis 2 and Exodus 3. He is your God. And whatever you came here today facing, maybe you are facing uncertainty in your life, maybe there's a big mess going on at home or in your extended family, maybe you are facing a looming decision, or you are in crisis mode, or even celebrating. Jesus is your Yahweh Elohim. Your God who always was and who always is and always will be for you. Have you ever been introduced to someone and shaken their hand and smiled and you exchanged first names? And then even 30 seconds later, because your mind was probably somewhere else, you can't remember what they said to you. And they probably can't remember yours, what you said to them. 
Don't let that happen with this God. Don't just be an introduction to His very name. He has an invitation for all of us. Seek Yahweh. It means seek to really know Him. Seek Yahweh while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. For some of us here to truly seek and know this God by name might mean we have to turn off the TV or take even a small break from NFL Sunday tickets. It might mean closing off our social media apps and setting our phone down. Quieting the other noises, calling for our constant attention in our life so that we can focus on the name as we read in Psalm 148, the name alone that is exalted. Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God, Jesus. And here's why this is so important for us to truly know and call on His name. Because to His name, God adds a promise. From Joel chapter 2, everyone, no matter who you are or where you've been or how long you've been there or what you've done, everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh will be what? Saved. Two here in practice questions as we seek to truly know and call on the name of this God. What is most revealing to you about his name, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God? And secondly, where is the Holy Spirit nudging you right now in your life to seek and call on his name now? Give that some thought. If you're with somebody, go ahead and have some holy conversation around those questions and then we'll continue our service in just a few moments.